How's everybody this morning? Everybody good? Y'all looking good? Man, it's good to be in church. Thanks for being in church this morning. Thanks for prioritizing Jesus and, and what he can do in our hearts and our lives and our bodies and our souls. We all have, uh, uh, we all, is there anybody here that doesn't need any help from God? I mean, like, we're all like, oh, <laughs> pick me, pick me. I need help. And I, I'm so grateful this morning that we, I feel like God has given us a word for the day and uh, just excited to bring that to you this morning. The, the title of my message this morning is The Price of Right. The price, you've heard the, the show, The Price is Right. I want to talk about The Price of Right. I'm sure there's nobody here that, that you... you Thought that you were right, but it really wasn't right, and you had to pay a price for it because you, uh, you like, yeah, as, as they say, eat crow. Um, there's a lot of things going on in our world today, and I know y'all, it, it's like most everybody really does think they're right. There's a lot of opinions out there. You know, like they say, it's like rear ends and elbows. Everybody's got one. But the price of right can be very, very costly. And if we're ever going to get anything right, we should get the eternal things right. I just want to put this in you before I get started. Always prioritize eternity. Like eternity needs to be the most paramount thing in our lives because when we understand that, <clears throat> that the only one that has power over us is the eternal one and from the day you were born, eternity began. So eternity is really, really important to get it right. There's a lot of people that don't want to really agree with God. They kind of want to make up their own stuff. I mean, like, Oprah says there's millions of ways to God. It can't be just one way. But that's the way the world thinks because everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people in our world today, they want to make up their own religion and they want to make up their own mind but generally the reason they don't want to admit that Jesus is the only way the only truth and the only life the reason they don't want to admit that because if that was true they would have to submit to Jesus and they'd like to they'd have to do what Jesus said to do and that would mess everything up for them they think because they bought into the deception that their own word is more relevant than God's word. So it's a challenge. It's a challenge today. The price of right. And by the way, they, they, that's why they have all those little videos on YouTube. It, people doing stupid things. Yeah. I mean, it's like, they wouldn't have anything put on YouTube if it wasn't for stupid people. <laughs> In a lot of ways. I mean, it's true. I mean, I'm on YouTube too. So. 
Well, I've done, it's like you've never done something stupid. I mean, you think about it. A few years back, Caleb and I, we, we, we had a calf that had pink eye and we needed to doctor that calf. And, and yeah, we have roping horses and yeah, we can catch calves off our roping, off our horses and everything. But we, we kind of wanted to, it seemed like the right thing to do. So we fired up the four-wheeler and I told Caleb, let's just rope that calf off that four-wheeler and uh, we'll catch that calf and we'll doctor it. That way we won't have to saddle the horses. Seems like the right thing to do. <laughs> Is there anybody here just out of curiosity? I know we got a couple rednecks <laughs> in the crowd today. Just a couple. But Is there anybody else that made me feel better? Anybody here ever tried to rope a, a calf off of a horse with Keaton Rome? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that handbag. Look here, look. I ain't alone. Misery loves company. <laughs> Couldn't catch me. It's hard to rope off a four-wheeler. You right? I mean, it's like somebody else is driving, and I mean, it's just hard. Couldn't catch him. And I told Caleb, I said, just run, just put this thing in third gear. We'll run up by him, and I'll just bulldog him. It's easy to drive a four-wheeler. <laughs> Caleb runs up by that calf, and I jump off on his head, and he, he, when I jump off on his head, he doesn't throw his head up like them steers. He dropped his head down, and that, that steer just came right over the top of me, and, which, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's still been all right, but the, the pasture was crammed. It was sandy land, and it was crammed full of stickers. <laughs> stickers. I mean, it was two or three days getting them stickers out. I, I'm serious, and, and I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> I was thinking, but I was thinking wrong. Yeah. Aren't you glad you came to church? <laughs> Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, it says this. It says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It seemed like the right thing to do. And this is so much more important than anything you can see on YouTube. This is the eternal things, the really, really, really important thing. We got to get it right. So that's the, the question. Is it possible to be right in your decision, but wrong in your heart? Me and Darla, years ago when we was rodeoing and doing church services, we'd have some all-night drives and everything, and, and we'd drive, and, and inevitably, it was when we first got married, inevitably, we would get into an argument about something. Well, so we would, we would argue through the night, and time we'd get home, we'd get home three or four or five in the morning, and we'd look at each other, and we'd... It got to the point where we'd always start laughing when we made it home because it, uh, arguing kept us awake. <laughs> and we were glad that we made it home alive. <laughs> but the point is, is that, is that you don't have to, the end sometimes doesn't justify the means. I mean, it, it, it's one thing to be able to get to heaven, but it's also another thing to be at peace in the process. I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about having peace in the process of following Jesus and getting things right. 
the price of right. It's not worth gaining the whole world and losing our soul. It's not worth that to us. It doesn't matter if we have everything in the world but eternity because this is really the most brief time that you'll ever spend anywhere in your eternal life. Is right here, this life is it's like a vapor. It's like here for a second and then it's gone. Compared to eternity, we got to get this right. Got to get it right. Scripture says, he that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. <sighs> if we were to be completely honest, we would think in many times, we would think that we were right and we would think we were standing but the pride and the, 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 the thing that, that moves us human beings is the fact that we think we're standing when we're really not standing, we're really falling. And if we do something long enough, when we buy into it long enough, we can begin to believe it and that becomes our belief system and it may be right for us or to us or seem right to us, but it is the way of death. I want to talk to you about that a little bit this morning. The word righteousness in Webster's Dictionary puts it this way, acting in accord with divine or moral right. Acting in accord with divine or moral right. In other words, the righteousness of God acting in accordance with moral righteousness that God has. Acting means that we have uh, the, an, an actor. Everybody knows what an actor is, but an acting is moving and doing things in the right way. But God would say something beyond what Webster says is that it's not just enough to, to do it right. We must inherit the right heart to be willing to do it right, not just do it right because it's right, but do it mad, but we're doing it right. You kids ever have your dad tell you to do something and you did it, but tell you to sit in the chair and you say, well, I'm sitting in on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> So here's what Google says. Google's, I mean, they never lie. <laughs> Talking about righteousness. A, a human person is not righteous in God's eyes because of his choice or commitment, his good works or his piety, his emotions or his intellect. Instead, he is righteous because the Father chooses him from the foundation of the world. And that sounds pretty good to me. Because the Father chooses, it's not because of anything else, but, but because the Father chooses him from the foundation of the world. So because God chose you from the foundation of the world, that makes you righteous? Just because God chose you from the foundation of the world? That, I mean, that sounds great, doesn't it? God like, oh, I'm just righteous. Hmm. It sounds, sounds great. But your choice and your commitment, your belief in God has nothing to do with it. Oh, by the way, do you know what a lot of people, the way a lot of people start religions? 
<clears throat> they do what I just did to y'all. They read a little bit of the verse, but they don't read the rest of it. And I mean, it can sound, it, they, they can make it sound really, really good. And to the point where, because a little bit of truth, in other words, in every religion, listen to me, in every religion, there is a little bit of truth. Because it has to have a little bit of truth in order for anybody to buy into it. But then the human reasoning comes into play and the little bit of truth that you add your human reasoning to the way you perceive it and the way you think about it is like, that's my religion. That's who I am. Listen to the rest of this verse, by the way. It says, the Father chooses him from the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Holy and without blame before him in love? You mean, you mean we got to be set apart for his purpose that we really, it's not about what I want, it's about what God wants for me, that I have to be blameless, that, that I live a life that is holy before God, and then everything I do, I've got to love God, and I got to love everybody else. I mean, like, that brings a whole new light to God picking you, Right? I'm just telling you the way our world processes religion. So glad you came to church. There is a religion in our culture today that preaches and teaches and is part of their doctrine that predestination actually means that God picks and chooses individuals who will go to heaven and who won't go to heaven. It's like, it's like one, two, three, four, you'll go, one, two, three, four, you're not going, one, two, three, four, you're going. But my Bible tells me that whosoever will may come. It says, for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I read my Bible gateway scripture of the week just a minute ago in between the church services and it was uh, John, it was John and it, it was, uh, it was another good verse about that. <laughs> I don't remember. Y'all read Bible gateway, the scripture of the day. It, it, it goes with my sermon. Confession is a choice that we love God. That's a choice. And let me tell you something. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to a place of repentance. God has, make no mistake, God has predestined you to go to heaven. Predestination says that God has predestined you, he has made a way for you to find Christ as your personal savior. And God doesn't go around picking people that won't, don't go to heaven. He's not like that. His love is for everybody. Read John 1, whatever it says. 
What? Did somebody read it? What? What's it say? Okay, stop right there. To all who received him, God gave him the privilege or the right to become a son of God. To all who what? What's the scripture say? Believe in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children. Oh, it's a right that those who believe in his name should become children of God. That's my sermon. <laughs> We're having fun now. Isaiah chapter 28 in the Message Bible. By the way, God, here God is warning Judah uh, and, and, uh, about the sin in their lives. And he's using Israel as an example. And in, in Isaiah chapter 28, I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. And the reason I'm reading it out of the Message Bible is because have you ever read the Bible and you're just like, you get up in the morning, you do your devotion, you read two or three scriptures in the Old Testament, and you're like, when you get through, it's like, I don't even know what I read. <laughs> read it out of the, that's when I go to the Message Bible, because it, it, it brings it into our vernacular, and it makes it understandable. Now, the Message Bible doesn't use the uh, Hebrew or Greek words for everything, and, and so it's not, it's not the end all to uh, our study time. But the Message Bible can clarify some things that, that, that may become, uh, that, that we don't completely understand. So I want to read it out of the Message Bible. It says, Isaiah 28, 14, Now listen to God's message, you scoffers. You who rule this people in Jerusalem... Or Judah, you say, we've taken out good life insurance. We've hedged all of our bets, covered all of our bases. No disaster can touch us. We've thought of everything. We're advised by experts. And we're set. But the master God has something to say to this. Watch closely. I'm laying a foundation in Zion, a solid granite foundation, square and true. And this is the meaning of the stone. A trusting life won't topple. I'll make justice the measuring stick. And righteousness the plumb line for the building. So what he's saying is, I brought a, I brought a plumb bomb. Y'all know what that is, right? A plumb bomb. Some, they got lasers and all kinds of things going on these days. But I'm saying this plumb bomb is what bricklayers use to make sure that they stay in line with the foundation. They need to know where the foundation is because what happens is, is, is if, like they'll, they'll start down here at the foundation and they'll put it right next to the line and if they push out a little bit on that line, it's gonna change the trajectory of the building and, and they'll, be, they'll come out and then they'll come out a little bit if they touch the line and then by the time they get up here, it's completely out of line. Because they got a hold of the line, the plumb bob of righteousness and justice. God said, I'll make righteousness and justice the plumb line for righteousness. 
And when man gets a hold of righteousness, what they do, they push out on the plumb bob and they get out from under the structure. And whenever the storms of life come, they topple down because there is, they're not built on the foundation because immorality has taken over and it has kept them from the plumb line of justice and righteousness. Righteousness. God, let me say this. God is righteous. He is right and he is righteous. He declares, his, his decrees are righteous. In other words, everything he says, everything God says is righteous. His judgments are righteous. He is just with everything. He is the chief justice. He knows the difference between a man and a woman. He can define what a woman is. He can define what a man is. By the way, a four-year-old can do that. His requirements are righteous. His acts are righteous. Daniel declared this. He said, our God is righteous in everything he does. Everything. So this is who God is. God is never wrong. He has never made a wrong decision. He's never experienced a wrong attitude. Wish I could say that. Never taken a wrong path never said the wrong thing, never acted the wrong way. He is never too late. He is never too early. He is never too loud. He is never too soft. He is never too fast. And he is never too slow. He has always been and will always be right. He has always been, I'm waiting for a big old way man out of this. I said he has always been and he will always be right. We can choose to argue with God, but it's like spitting in the wind. It's going to come back on you because anything we say contrary to what God says will never line up and it'll never last because God is eternal. His word is true and his attitude is right and he loves us with an undeniable love and cares for us deeper than we could ever ask or imagine. Trust in the Lord, it says in Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Everybody say all. Trust, see, because he's all right, always right because he's always on time. He's never wrong. We can trust in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in some of your ways. Is that what it says? All your ways, acknowledge him in all your ways. Everything you do, acknowledge, it's acknowledge him. And then he'll direct your path. Oh, what's so sweet. What a promise. What a wonderful, wonderful promise. So because God is always right and never wrong, God, will God who is righteous, his question for you, will God who is righteous spend eternity with those who are not 
righteous. It's kind of like asking the question, would Harvard admit a third grader that dropped out? So if God did, he, the act might be a benevolent act, but, but would it be right? If God accepted the unrighteous, the invitation would be really nice, but would it, would, would it be right? Good questions. Would he be right to overlook our sins? To lower his standards? Oh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't quite understand the whole thing. Would it be good for God to go ahead and just lower his standards because we've all lowered our standards? Just like, oh, okay, well, I get it. No, God... <laughs> This is why it's so good about God and it's so wonderful and we can trust him with all our hearts because God is not ever going to be influenced by our uh, ignorance. So he told Isaiah that the righteousness would be his plumb line, the standard by which his house is measured. That's in Isaiah 28, 17. Though we are unrighteous by nature, you with me? I said, I said we're all unrighteous by nature. We can have a righteous standing because of Christ's death on our behalf. Study the scriptures to determine what it means to be righteous in his sight. Think about it, that you can be righteous in the sight of God. The price of Jesus being right or righteous cost him his life. And it's the same for us. Make no mistake, if you want to be right with God, you will have to give your life to God. He said, unless you're willing to take up your cross and follow me, you can't be a part of my kingdom because I took up my cross and I'm calling you and I'm saying that you no longer belong to yourself, but you're a part of the kingdom of God and you belong to God and he will, because he is righteous, because he is never wrong, because he never makes a mistake, he never sleeps, he never slumbers, he is always on time, he's never late, that he will help you to be the righteousness of Christ because he has forgiven you and when he sees you, he sees you as forgiven and his righteousness is what covers up your unrighteousness because you accept him as your personal savior and you choose to be born again, not born of the flesh, just of the flesh, but you choose to be born of the spirit of God and eternity is on the top of your list because you have made a decision. You're not going to look back at the sins of your past. You're going to accept the righteousness that God has placed on you and this mantle them of responsibility as well as the gift. You are going to be a good steward of what God has blessed you with and when you mess up, you are going to run to God and not run from God. So the price of thinking we're always right can cost us eternity. Arguing uh, it's just something that we can't do with God. 
says at just the right time, God sent his son. So the big question is, if I sin, will I still go to heaven? Who wouldn't want the answer to that question, right? If I sin, will I still go to heaven? And every Christian struggles with sin. And all the prideful people didn't say. I said every Christian struggles with sin. And the sin that has our attention will likely change over time. Because once you get the victory over one sin, another sin Anybody ever play uh, whack-a-mole at the carnival? You, you whack him in the head and another one sticks up. And by the time you get one sin conquered, another sin pops up. It's not... Sin is like whack-a-mole. You got to keep whacking them. I love that game. I love that game, by the way. So it's important to let God point out sin in our lives. Hear this. Please hear this. It's important to let God point out the sin in our lives. It's a blessing to us to know what our sin is. To allow him to reconcile it and to forgive us, we will never get good enough to cover our own sin. Anybody ever been deceived by your own sin? Everybody do this. <laughs> Yesterday, I was over at a friend of mine's house and was in his office and he had a, had a lottery ticket. And I was like, man, did you buy, a, like they gave like a billion dollars away. I know y'all are Christians and everything. You didn't know nothing about that. <laughs> but he had a lottery ticket. I said, did, and it wasn't scratched off. He said, scratch it off. He said, I'll, I'll give you half of it. I said, okay. I scratched it off and it's like if you get three of them in a row or something. And, and uh, it, bottom line was we, uh, we won like $10,000. But the problem was, was that it was a fake lottery ticket. Anybody ever, <laughs> anybody play tricks on your friends? I, I like, I swallowed a hook, line, and sinker. I'm like, <laughs> never bought a ticket and I'm a winner. <laughs> I almost bought one yesterday. Me and my friend, we, after that, we, we went to the store, and he, he was like, he's going to buy one of them billion-dollar tickets. And, and we, he went up there and, and asked him about it. They said they already gave it away. He said, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so easy to be deceived in our world today thinking that our way must be right. So if we try to pick a sin and exert self-effort without God's help to overcome it, we will inevitably fail. Because the deception is, is that we can handle it ourselves. I've got this, God. Uh, or I don't want to handle it. Talk to the hand. So it is God who changes us and rather than our self-attempts Focusing on our will, our willpower and our determination, God would rather we focused on him and his power to help us, to rely on him, <coughs> to trust in him, let him direct our path. He wants us to trust him to change us rather than trusting in ourselves. 
However, as with anything that is worth something, we must be the ones that participate in life and, and not just plan on God, picking and choosing somebody. He, want, he has already chosen us, but we have to participate and we have to make the decision to be holy and to accept his righteousness and understand that it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but it's according to his mercy that he has saved us. We can't be walking around and going, I'm so spiritual. I'm so spiritual. Even Paul struggled with the sin nature. The apostle Paul, he describes this in Romans chapter 7. Uh, the more he tried to obey the law, the more the law condemned him because he couldn't do it. His conclusion when he asks, who will free me from this body of sin and death? Questions we've all asked, right? Who, can you imagine what it'd be like not having the sin problem in your life? Wouldn't that be great? Well, that's why they made heaven. The answer, though, is that Jesus, and you re read Romans uh, 6, 7, and 8, it helps you. So to sum up this message this morning, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says this. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If, everybody say if. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if, everybody say if, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. He is the substitute, substitutional sacrifice for our sins, and he has made provision for us to come in to his family, into the kingdom of God, even though we our righteousness, our righteousness, the scripture says, is as filthy rags. In Genesis chapter 3, the serpent's distortion or Satan's distortion of God's command against eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil set in motion humanity's rebellion against God. This is where all this rebellion that we all have in us and that we all fight against. Uh, the scripture actually says that rebellion is born in the heart of a child. So that we're born with rebellion. Anybody got any kids? You know, right? Rebel oh, not you grandparents. I'm talking to the, to the parents. My grandparents. But it also says that the rod of correction drives us far from it. In other words, when we bring discipline to our kids, it drives the rebellion from them. Undisciplined kids will stay rebellious until they get disciplined. And when they have discipline, then that will drive the rebellion from them. Same with people, because the God says, the God says that 
whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And so when we get discipline from God, if, if you ever disciplined your kid and your kid got mad at you because you disciplined him, then you had to discipline him again because they got mad. <laughs> or you walked off and you gave up on it. No. God doesn't walk off from us when we ignore his discipline. He brings more discipline to us. Why does he do that? Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. No discipline is pleasant. So it says that uh, Adam and Eve chose to eat the forbidden fruit and sought to establish their, their own moral boundaries and to negate the authority of God. In other words, they made up their mind that they knew better than God did. Seemed to be the right thing to do to them. Instead of winning the false freedom and the autonomy they desired, Adam and Eve suffered death and were confronted with the reality of their own moral failure. We've all been there, right? And in experiencing their sin, Adam and Eve had a choice. They could, open, they could have openly faced the horror of their evil unbelief and sought out God and confessed their sins and pleaded for mercy from God in their guilt. However, they hid from God. As they heard him approaching, using fig leaves, they hid from their nakedness. I'm going to tell you something. Little word. Free word. You'll never be able to hide from God, and you'll never be able to hide from your own nakedness. God sees you, and he knows you. Why would we think that we could hide from God? And as you are naked is the way that God sees you. I'm not trying to be funny here. I'm telling you, God sees you how you are, and he loves you. Don't ever think that God doesn't care about you. He sees you just the way you are in the middle of all your trials, all your tribulations, all your giving in to the seduction of this world. God still loves you the same. He sees you in his nakedness just like he saw Adam and Eve, and he loved Adam and Eve anyway, even though they had transgressed against God. That's a good, good father. So they used fig leaves. They hid from their nakedness. In responding to God's inquiry, they hid from, hid from the truth of their moral failure. Adam justified his actions by blaming Eve, and Eve followed suit by blaming the serpent. I don't know how to say this nice, so I'm just going to say it. Stop blaming other people for your sin. Let's, it's about time we took personal responsibility for our own life and for our own lifestyle, for what we choose. Oh, pastor, you don't understand. You don't, you don't know my wife. <laughs> your wife is not your problem. You don't know my ex-wife. <laughs> See, it could go on and on. But we, in our, in, in our flesh, we make choices when we want to blame somebody else and, and we just say, well, if, if it was just different. You're the one that needs to make it different. 
you're the only one that can change your perspective of who God is and who you are. It's about time the church woke up and saw ourselves the way God sees us, that we can run through a troop, we can jump over all, we can, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Stop making excuses and begin to walk in the truth that God has for you instead of the lie that we continually tell ourselves. Colin Bryan said this. He said, in plain terms, to be justified by God is to be declared having moral right standing. It is not the position of innocence. It is not the position of innocence. It is a position of having righteousness attributed to me in spite of my guilt. Having righteousness attributed to me. We all know we're guilty, but we have righteousness attributed to us in spite of our guilt. He said, we can become the righteousness of Christ. And Jesus said, in order for that to happen, you must be born again. Talking to believers, this is the, the apostle Paul. He, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, he said this. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? He's talking to believers here. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what some of you were. This is what some of you were. Some of you, he's talking to the believers. Some of y'all were like that. But you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified. The word justified means just as if I'd never sinned. You were justified as though you had never sinned. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. He says, some of y'all used to be adulterers. Some of y'all used to be fornicators. Some of y'all used to be homosexuals. Oh, no, 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 no. We're, 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 we're told that there's an immutable gene that we were born with that, that if we're a homosexual, we were born with that gene, right? Isn't that what they tell us? Kind of like if uh, if uh, 
drunk driver driving down 105 here and he gets pulled over by the police officer. And the uh, police officer walks over there and says, give me your driver's license, everything, and this drunk blows in his face. And the, the officer says, man, you're drunk. He said, I, and, the, and the, the drunk said, officer, he said, I'm, uh, yeah, I am drunk, but uh, I got this drunk gene. I was born with this drunk gene, and uh, you need to let me go, because I mean, I, I can't do nothing about this. I was born with this. And uh, so the officer go, oh, I, I didn't know you had the gene. And go on, we've on down the road there, just, just try not to run into anybody. He said, you were, we got 2,000 years of evidence that you can overcome a drunk gene. You can overcome a homosexual gene. You can overcome an adulterer gene. And I think it's high time the church stopped apologizing for the things that God calls sin. I think it's, I think it's time we woke up and said, and, and we don't, I was just born that way. And, and, and our culture tells us too, it's a racial thing. It's like being a racist. If, if you talk about sexual sins or identity, you're a racist. I'm just gonna tell you something. Michael Jackson had a black gene. He ain't ever gonna be white. He wasn't ever gonna be white. The only sin that God, one of the only sins that God calls an abomination is the sin of homosexuality. He doesn't say it's a sin to be black. It doesn't say it's a sin to be Hispanic. It doesn't say it's a sin to be Caucasian. But we, our culture has jacked this stuff around so much that the church is starting to believe it. And that's my reason for preaching this sermon today is that we got to stop trying to reinvent what God has already said. Amen. So even if you were born with a certain gene, that's the whole reason, listen to me, that's the whole reason Jesus said, you must be born again. <laughs> Yeah, you were born with this rebellion. You were born unrighteous. You were born with all of these sin problems. Yeah, we're not going to, yeah, sure. But he said, you must be born again. You want to be, you born of the flesh, and that's good, but you must be born of the spirit in order to overcome all of these things that, that separate you from a holy God. It's pretty simple. But the world would like to complicate it. And they'd like to throw, throw rocks at people that speak the truth. Let me tell you something. There's not a million ways to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except by him. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. of Forrest Gump. That's about all I got to say about that. 
Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. And Lord, we are, Lord, help us to be humble towards you, O God. Not to be arrogant with the truth that we have, oh God, but to humble ourselves and to love people the way that you love them, to love each other the way that, that you've called us to love each other. Lord, more than anything, to love you, oh God, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our being, oh God. Help us, Lord, to understand that the truth is what sets us free, not as we perceive it, but that that foundation, Lord, that that plumb line won't ever be moved because our, our house is built on the solid rock. And you said that you inhabit the praises of your people and that our, our, our body is that house. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, this morning, oh God, to, if we need a clean house, would help us to clean house, oh God. Help us, Lord, to be honoring of you and your word and your will and your path that you have for us. Help us, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. We are so gracious or grateful, oh God, that we can <laughs> that we could be righteous in your eyes, oh God. Oh, we don't completely understand that because we see all of our problems and all of our issues we thank you, Lord, that you see us as righteous when we are born again, that we begin this walk of, of being under the construction of the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, for it. We are so grateful. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. If you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, if you never asked him to come into your heart, the first step in knowing God and the first step in in accepting the righteousness of God is by doing it the way that God has asked us to do it. He said, if we confess our sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. Jesus put it this way. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock the door of your heart. He said, if anyone will open, let me in. I'll come in and I'll be with them. So this morning, if you've never accepted him, maybe if you haven't, you just really haven't been living for him, but you know that God, is, is, he's knocking on your door right now. You need to accept him as your savior simply by raising your hand. Say, preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. Yep, leave your hands up, please, until we get a Bible in him. Yep, thank you. Yep, leave your hands up, please. Anybody else? Slip your hand up high. We don't want to miss anybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, partner. Anybody else? Slip your hand up high. You're tired of going through life without Jesus. Thank you. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. I... I, I'm tired of making up my own way. I, I don't want to make up my own stuff anymore. I know God's got a better plan for my life. Maybe, you, maybe you've been thinking about it for a long time and, and you know today's the days. Slip your hand up higher. Don't let pride keep you out of heaven. Thank you, partner. Yep, leave your hand up. Yep, thank you, buddy. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus. It's the greatest gift known to mankind. Amen. If you raise your hand, I want you to look up at me. If you raise your hand, I want you to come up and pray with me. Come on up, buddy. Come on. Yep, come on. Back in the back. Yep, come on. I'm so proud of y'all. Come on, partner. It's a deal, man. It's the right thing. I'm proud of you. Bless your heart, man. Bless you, buddy. Proud of you. Bless your heart, girl. So proud of you. Bless you, my friend. Anybody else? Don't want to miss anybody. 
Look here, here's what the Bible says. It says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, we believe in our heart. It's about what's going on in our heart. The, the heart is what God transforms. And uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful transformation of being born again of the Spirit of God. Let the Holy Spirit rule and reign in our hearts. So I want to pray with you, okay? Can we do that? Just repeat after me. Y'all help us pray. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now look here. Look here. Just the beginning. This is just the beginning. And uh, it, it, I want you to know you're not going to be perfect after today. You're going to have a lot of the same problems you had when you came. But God's with you. He's going to help you navigate through those problems better. I promise you. It says acknowledge it. Spend time in prayer. Talk to God just like I'm talking to you. Just talk to God. Say, God, what about this? I got to have some help with this. I don't know what to do. And, and, and the Lord will give you that direction. And, and begin a lifestyle of trust in God over trust in, in what you think. Because that, that's what's got to be overcome. At the end of the day, it can't, can't be about what I say. It has to be about what God says. And then God will put, put it in you, and then you say it after God says it. Okay? I love y'all. Go visit these guys for just a second. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Bless you. Stand with me, please. I love that song, Just As I Am, without one plea. You know, whether we sing it or not, it really is just as I am. <laughs> so the question I have for you quickly is... <clears throat> Sin is always a problem. Y'all with me? Sin is always knocking at the door, it seems like. How many, and this is, this is <clears throat> it's one thing to let sin come into your life and for you to kind of mother up to it and go like, I, well, I got this one thing and don't, don't be touching that. And then it's another thing to have temptation, deal with your temptation, forgive me. But the, I want to talk to you briefly about letting sin come in and, and uh, move into the house and just be a part of your life and you not ever dealing with it. I want you to know today is your day and I want, I want to just impress upon you that, that God wants to help you get that pet sin, we'll call it, out of your life. How many say, preacher, I got... Something in my life that's been in there for a long time. I've let it in there, and I know I got to get it out. Raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Yep, 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 yep. Thank you. Thank you. 
Let's all raise both of our hands and, and surrender to God. Lord, you see our hands. We are needy people. We thank you, Lord, for your righteousness that you have come into our hearts. And you've come into our lives. Help us, Lord, never to entertain or to invite sin to come back into our lives. We know that it is a struggle and it's, a, and it's, a, it's an ongoing battle for every one of us, oh God. Help us, Lord, to fight that battle, to never stop fighting that battle, to know that we are more than conquerors through you because you loved us and you gave your life for us. And because of that, we are the righteousness of Christ. And I just pray, oh God, and I speak victory to everybody that's got their hands raised. And Satan, I bind you from every person in this room, everybody watching online. And I pray, oh God, that you just have your way today in our hearts, our minds, our bodies, and our souls. And we speak victory in the name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. amen. God bless you all. We love you. Come back next week. Bring somebody with you.